So you've been working on your transitions into the canter and you know, you're getting there and it's all good. You're getting a couple of decent canters in. And yet the transition itself, yeah, it's kind of a little bit hop and skip and jump. In fact, there might even be a jig going on. Could it be the timing? I think so. Hi there, my name is Lorna Leeson and welcome to the Daily Strides podcast, the podcast for equestrians all over the world, helping you to have better conversations with your horse by, well, helping you ride better, giving you the nuts and bolts of what to do in certain situations when you're in the saddle so that you can go this week and really and truly practice and improve things with your horse. And this week I want to talk all things timing when it comes to the transition into the canter because the past few weeks if you've been following along we've been talking about the canter we actually started all off it never really got to we didn't start it off with the canter in mind but it kind of developed that way got quite a few emails and people reached out and you know I felt that this is an episode that a lot of people need to hear right now because you can practice the transition till the cows come home But if you're not asking at the correct time, you're making it very difficult for your horse to respond the way that, well, maybe you want your horse to respond, okay? I think that if things are feeling a little off, okay? So if it's feeling a little rushed or a little stressed, um, if there's maybe a lot of tension there and it just feels like it's a bit of a mixed bag of emotions, it's probably the, the timing. And we know you probably know, we all know, that timing is really important for anything, okay? Like, have you ever been asked to do something and you're not in the right place to do it and then the person gets upset with you because you didn't do the thing, but meanwhile you weren't actually in the place to do the thing? Timing, hey? Timing. (laughs) Timing. It's important, folks. It's important, okay? Right, the very first thing I'm going to suggest you do when you're working on your timing for the transition into the canter is to be very much aware of your tension levels, okay? Tension being relaxation. I know. Now, now a lot of people will say, no, no, tension is the opposite of relaxation. It's not. Relaxation, when we're talking all things horses and horse riding, basically means that you are correctly managing the tension levels, okay? That's all relaxation is, okay? It's correctly managing the tension levels. So it's whatever you're doing at that specific point in the ride, the tension is correct for it, okay? That's what relaxation is. And I want you to start thinking about excess tension when it comes to you, because I'll tell you now that so many riders, they actually allow excess tension to creep into their body because they are overthinking the upcoming transition. Now, a good way to test yourself on this is if you've ever been in the arena and you're maybe having a a lesson or a training session or a coaching session with somebody and they say to you, okay, you're going to canter at the next corner. And it's like your horse can understand English. (laughs) And your horse horse automatically goes, okay, we're going to canter now. And you're thinking... Cheekers, you know, the next time, let's use a code word for canter because you're convinced now your horse knew exactly what your trainer or your person said because of how he responded, okay? Another way this could happen if you're riding by yourself is that, again, you're riding maybe down the long side of the arena and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to canter at the next corner. And as soon as you think the thought, you actually begin to think, my horse and myself, we, we are on the same level. There's a little bit of telepathy going on here. He read my mind because, look, he wants to canter now and I'm nowhere near the corner. 
I am going to suggest that it's less about your horse understanding English (laughs) or being a mind reader, probably more about subtle changes in your body because you are a little bit overthinking the whole transition into the canter. And even though you don't realize you're doing it, there's excess tension just creeping in there. And that is what your horse is responding to, okay? So I want you to be very aware of that and to to kind of notice that, begin to pay close attention. If you think about cantering and your horse changes what he is doing, notice that there's probably excess tension somewhere in your body. It's creeping in. You are automatically making the physical changes in your body that your horse is then picking up on. And you don't mean to do it, but it's happening. Or again, if somebody else suggests cantering at a a point and you're not yet at the point, if the horse again responds to the person's request before you've even requested it, okay, could be down to you an excess tension in your body. So pay attention to that. Okay, from there, I am going to suggest you begin to feel the movement. Now, I know I say this all the time. I do, but it's really important. And yet, so many riders just fail to do this. They they don't do it. And it's so easy and so simple. And maybe that's why they don't do it. They think that maybe they're a little bit beyond it, okay? But I want you to really and truly begin to identify what you are feeling. You see, it's all well and good to be able to say, my horse is walking or my horse is trotting. You, you can feel the difference, hey? I'm sure you know when your horse is walking, when your horse is trotting and when your horse is cantering. Okay, brilliant. If you can tell the difference between those things, you can now begin to start feeling what is actually happening underneath you, okay? Start with the rhythm. Identify the beat, okay? And then I want you to go a little bit further here and this may require a little bit of homework. This may require you sitting down with a book or with a video, or with photographs, and beginning to be able to identify and imagine in your mind the sequence of hoof falls that your horse is is doing right now as he is doing whatever it is that he's doing that you've identified. So you've said it's walk, okay? And you start with the rhythm. You're feeling the rhythm, the one, two, three, four. You're going to merge that with the sequence of the hoof prints and put that with it okay or the hoof falls I suppose not hoof prints well I suppose they are hoof prints aren't they and you're going to merge them together okay and you're going to be able to make the beat in the gate actually apply to what your horse is actually physically doing underneath you as he walks or as he trots or as he canters okay so I really think that Regardless of where you are, you can do this. So as I said, there's this one, two, three, four in the walk, and then you have the one, two in the trot, okay? And sometimes we can we can overthink it, but I want you just to be very much aware of it and then just to allow it, allow it to happen and kind of say, oh, look, there's the one. Or, well, that's really interesting because there was a difference there between the two and the three in this stride than there was in the last stride. I wonder what caused the difference. But really and truly begin to notice it, okay? And again, if you don't know the sequence, sit down with something and learn, okay? Like, it's not rocket science, folks. This is fairly basic stuff, okay? All horses walk, trot and canter the same, (laughs) doesn't matter where they are or where they live, (laughs) okay? They do that the same. So I want you to really and truly get into that. Okay, from there, once you've now identified what's going where underneath you and when it's doing that, 
begin to notice the swing. So it's not just the matter of the forwards backwards. You'll probably feel the forwards backwards again in the walk, the trot or the canter. You're going to feel that your seat is being moved and it's going forwards or backwards at any given time. But I want you to begin really getting into this and noticing that there's also a lifting or a rising and a lowering that's happening at the same time, okay? So as your seat is either going forwards or backwards, it's either up or down. And up or down is relative to the other seat bone, okay? That's what the up or down is. So you have two seat bones, and we often think of these as being kind of fused and they're together, and they are, I suppose, but um, they do move independently. They Maybe not independently, that could be the wrong word, but they, they have movement within there. And yeah, I suppose they do move independently, um, but they do move then um, that the one, while the one is doing one thing, so let's say it's going down and forward, the other is going to be doing the opposite thing, up and back, okay? So it's just really important that you begin to notice this. And what I want you to then do is to begin noticing how when the outside seat bone, so you're going to dictate to yourself, let's say you're on the left rein, you're going to decide to yourself, okay, I'm on the left rein, um, so I'm going to say that my right-hand side is going to be my outside now, and my left-hand side is going to be my inside. And you're going to notice that as your outside seat bone, your right seat bone in this case, is coming up and back, that coordinates sequence-wise with the beat in the walk of when your horse's outside back foot is on the ground, and when you are actually moving over it. Okay, so you're moving over the back foot at that point, okay? And then noticing how when you're, when that is happening, your inside seat bone at the same time is actually moving down and forward. And that's coordinating or, or happening at the same time and it's working with the fact that your horse's inside hind leg is moving forward underneath him at that point, okay? Because this is really important to actually start your horse telling you when to ask the question. I want you to pay attention to the fact that when your seat bone is moving down and forward, your inside seat bone, your left seat bone, if you're going to follow my example, okay, is moving down and forward, your horse's barrel, and a barrel, it well, it sounds like what it looks like. It's basically the rib cage. Imagine the rib cage of your horse, okay? We call it the barrel. So the barrel is going to swing to the right a little bit, okay? So it's like, th think of again, the horse's inside back leg moving underneath it. Barrel swings to make space for the inside back leg to move underneath it, yeah? Okay, I want you to begin to feel what that feels like on your outside leg. Because you know that when you ask for canter, wh what do you do? What's your outside leg? It's like the tag, it plays the game of tag. It says tag, you're it, to your horse's outside back leg. I want you to notice how your horse's barrel actually subtly tells your leg when to tag, okay? It says, there we go, there we go, moving into you now, moving into you now. As this happens, you know a lot of people when they're explaining how to canter, they'll say to riders, scoop with your inside seat bone. And you're probably thinking, what in the name of all that's good in the world is scoop with my inside seat bone? Remember that swing we spoke about, your seat bones? Think about how the down and forward action of your inside seat bone, as the barrel moves over and gives the little nudge to your outside leg, and as the outside, your horse's outside back leg is on the ground, think about how that down and forward action from your inside seat bone 
you could make a scoop from that, couldn't you? I'm not saying you have to, but I'm just saying that if you wanted to put all the pieces together, it's there. And think about how that if you were to keep your inside leg on this barrel that has very subtly but very definitely moved over a little bit, you would have to put the inside leg on. And can you see how all the pieces come together that would actually help you to take the step into the canter? That is where you ask. There, your horse tells you, tell, he says, I'm here now, I'm at, I'm at the place where if you're going to ask me, this is the place to ask me, go for it, <laughs> okay? Now, I do suggest practicing all of this in the walk, I think it's so much easier, okay? And then from there, begin applying it to the trot. I do think that with the trot, um, it can be a little bit difficult, things are moving faster, basically is the only reason it's so much uh, there's so much difficulty to it. But if you apply what I said just now about First of all, getting used to the beat. Ident don't just identify and say, I'm in trot. Let's start identifying the rhythm. One, two, one, two, one, two. From there, identify the sequence. Okay, look at this. When a horse trots, his legs move in diagonal pairs. And then from there, you can even use your diagonals, which means you're rising and falling with the shoulder by the wall, okay? Um, I, kinda, I hash that up there. Rise and fall with the shoulder on the wall or at the wall. <laughs> Something like that, okay? You're moving with your horse's outside shoulder, okay? Um, you can use that to actually begin to tell you what is moving where and therefore where anything is at any given point as your horse trots. So as you know when to ask the question to strike off the canter hopefully this was helpful guys um i go into so much more detail in all this inside of returning to riding and right now there is a special going on for the summer it's going to be shutting down probably in another month but i would love for you to come on board um returning to riding it's a full program full six weeks program it is self-study and um, you'll work through it yourself but you can find out all the details over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash summer okay i'm gonna leave it at that have a great one keep well i'll chat to you soon be good Bye.